You're listening to Sacks in the Basement, a production of the Broadcast Basement Limited, where every show is 30 minutes of good and comes from a basement bar on the south side of Chicago. Pull up a stool, pour a cold one, and join us right now for Sacks in the Basement. Heard everywhere podcasts can be found and always at SacksInTheBasement.com. And welcome in for a special bonus Socks in the Basement episode. It's our off-season interview series. Sometimes we get into long conversations. Lots of times we can't fit everything that we talked about with our guests in between the normal Socks talk that myself and my buddy Dave do down here at my nine-foot homemade oak bar in my basement on the south side of Chicago. Hence, the off-season interview series a bonus episode coming out on those Saturdays that I happen to have extra material that I can share. So on our regular episode this week, Chris Zwick stopped by. And as you'll hear in this interview, I really tried to pick his brain on a few things. So for a deep dive with Chris Zwick, proceed right now into my basement, pull up a stool at my bar, and enjoy this bonus episode from Socks in the Basement. We have joining us on the phone line this week, and it's a perfect time to have him on. Because one, the GM meetings are going on, and two, the Baseball Writers Association of America is doing all their voting, and he's a member. He also writes for Yahoo Sports. Chris Zwick, welcome back to the program. How are you? I'm doing pretty well. I'm hoping that uh, we see some free agent activity in the next few days, uh, even though that seems unlikely, but at least we'll get some news out of the GM meetings. So at least we'll have baseball to talk about pretty soon. So far as a White Sox fan, the initial news from the GM meetings is that Kenny Williams loves a microphone. He found one immediately and had to make a comment like, it's business as usual. Well, maybe more than usual. Way to put the pressure on yourself after you completely just just fell apart in the Manny Machado thing last uh, offseason and dragged your fan base for months and months through this, telling them, don't worry, we're getting them, and they didn't. And he shows up to the GM meetings, and he can't wait to shoot his mouth off. Am am I the only person that has a bad impression of him when it comes to that? Well, I I think in this instance, your impression is justified. You know, I feel like especially, I mean, you you hit it on the nail exactly. Um, After last season, just all the talk about how they're really going to go in hard for a premier free agent, which you know, wound up being Machado uh, and then just not landing him and, and the reports coming out about um, the structure of their offer, which was, I think, you know, maybe more than 300 million, but that was based on a lot of incentives that um, Machado couldn't control, such as attendance. So, <laughs> you know, in, in the end, I, I don't, I can't blame Machado for taking an offer that he thought uh, was maybe more realistic that he'd get, you know, the full amount uh, and not have to depend on that type of thing. And and I think for a team like the White Sox, especially last year and, and still going into this year, if they're going to go after a free agent of that caliber, which I'm not sure there really are many out there, maybe you could say there's one or two out there this year, you almost have to overpay at this point because you're not a premier destination. And the promise you're making to a free agent is that things are going to get better because you have a young core. And while the Sox do have a young promising core, that of course is not guaranteed. So I think that's the kind of the situation they're in is that they, they really have to go above and beyond um, with guaranteed money if they want to bring in somebody elite. 
couple of names have already been attached to them, and I take all trade rumors with a grain of salt. But it's interesting the names that have that have come out where somebody has said Sox are one of the teams interested, and they'll list like two other teams or three other teams in this free agent. They seem to be attached so far to Zach Wheeler. They seem to be attached so far to Julio Julio Tehran. He he pops up all the time, which is funny because we were talking about him uh, a, a week or two ago on this show, and now I see him always attached to him. I'm getting the feeling that the Sox, at least what the rumor is, is they're not going after the the big guys. They're not going after Cole. Uh, they're not going after Strasburg. Uh, they're they're not going. I mean, you know what the really interesting thing is? Kenny Williams comes out, or it wasn't Kenny Williams, but there's a report that they're still interested in J.D. Martinez even after he opts back into their contract, like they would make a deal for him, and he's got an option next year. What what are you hearing? And is what I'm saying off the wall to you, or are you hearing the same thing? No, I mean, I, I think as far as free agents, I mean, I know Wheeler has been thrown out there. You know, he he makes sense if, if you're obviously if you're not going to spend on Colin Strasburg. I think he's kind of the consensus number three guy and he's still under 30. So I think that gives him an edge over some of the other available free agents. Uh, and, and also, you know, he's a guy who we've we've seen when he's going right. He can be close to an elite starting pitcher. Um, the only issue there is I think a lot of teams see that. Right. And. And we see the last few years a team like the Astros who have gone out and improved pitchers or found things that work for a guy like Verlander or turned Cole into this just monstrous starter after he was kind of, you know, slightly above average guy in Pittsburgh. I think you're going to see a lot of other teams say, well, we can do that with Wheeler. You know, we've looked at his three awesome starts and we know that he just has to throw a slider more or something like that. So I think there's going to be a, a big market for him and they're going to have to compete uh, with a lot of teams. As far as Martinez, I and mean, I think he certainly makes sense. He, he's a decent fit for them. And it, I, I would think that Boston would be willing to deal with, to deal him. Um, again, you run the risk there of competing with other teams for uh, in, in the trade market. And also, you know, determining what prospects you want to give up because, that, that's the tough balance here, right? Is that the Sox could obviously use Martinez and he's going to benefit them probably more than a lot of prospects will next season. Um, but you don't want to give up a guy who uh, can truly be a standout at a key position of need three or four years down the road. I mean, you're writing for Yahoo Sports. You're, you're a BBWAA member. Uh, you've seen some off seasons and you have a more nationals perspective which, which I enjoy talking to you when it comes to this kind of stuff because maybe maybe you'll have a more outside view on some things. With this early stage of free agency, should a White Sox fan be concerned when he sees a report that a guy like, I don't know, let's, let's just use a comparison. You got a Madison Bumgarner and a Zach Wheeler. But these are two guys that you could argue – the sacks, if they didn't get one, should at least be kicking the tires on the other one because there's a certain there's different tiers. There's about three, four guys in this tier and three, four guys in this tier. And when you see them zeroed in on one guy, but you haven't heard about them even talking to the other guy, is that because they're zeroed in and it's all or nothing on like three, four guys? Or is that because it's hard to figure out who's actually looking at certain players and people sh- and and like fans shouldn't get too excited because the guy that they want is not attached yet to the White Sox because he might become attached to him in about a month or so. 
Right. Yeah. I think based on what we've seen the last few winters, first off, nothing moves fast anymore in free agency. So I wouldn't be surprised if we were once again waiting until January, February for major guys to sign. That just seems to be the way teams want to play things. They want to wait out free agents and hope that maybe uh, guys get desperate and their prices come down. And that has worked the last few seasons with a few guys. Uh, Yasmani Grandal, Mike Moustakis have signed one-year deals worth uh, far less than I think they're actually, they should be valued at. Um, but, you know, I think, I think the difference, again, is that those players will sign with teams they think have a legitimate playoff shot. And I don't know if the White Sox can make that same argument to those types of players. So I, I think, you know, in, in a roundabout way, I guess to get back to kind of the first part of the question, um, I think it's important to kind of ask yourself why, why certain rumors leak, right? So we, we've heard the White Sox are interested in Wheeler. Well, where is that coming from? Is that coming directly from the White Sox? Um, is that coming from Wheeler's agent? Is he trying to drum up interest among a lot of teams and start a bidding war? Um, are the White Sox being completely honest when they say that to a reporter, knowing that that person's going to put that out there? So I, I can't give you a, a great definitive answer, but I would I would just ask people to to think about that a little bit and and kind of come to your own conclusion on um, why certain players get attached to certain teams. Are there teams that handle things differently? Well, I know the answer is yes here, but I, I mean, do you get the feeling that there are different teams that that handle rumors and offseason vastly differently from another organization? Like, are there just certain organizations you're always like, they play everything close to the vest, and then you're like, this other organization is like a ship with like 20 holes in the hull, and it's leaking everywhere. <laughs> I mean, like, do you get that feeling as a writer that like there's certain teams you could find out what's going on, and there's other teams you're like, yeah, no chance? Uh, so yes and no. I mean, I think I can more give you teams where there's there's almost no chance. Um, and, and, you know, Houston is notoriously tight-lipped and – uh, difficult to to deal with, you know. They're they're not going to tell you anything about their process, their process, or what they're doing. Uh, honestly, I mean, the White Sox usually keep things fairly close to the best. You don't have, I don't think there are a lot of national reporters I trust with White Sox rumors. Um, you know, the one guy who gets a lot of stuff is is Bob Nightingale, um, which is is great sometimes and maybe less dependable other times. But I, I do think they do a fairly good job of, of playing things close to the vest. I think mostly if, if you're getting rumors at this point, it's probably coming from agents because um, it benefits them the most, right, to talk about what teams are on their player, to talk up their players. So generally, that's probably where a lot of these rumors are going to come from. And then obviously, you know, you'll have some reporters who have connections with teams, but I think yeah, in the specific case, like Houston, it, it's going to be tough to really get a lot out of. Um, and the White Sox, you're going to have to really be trusting with, with who you get that information from. You know, and it's interesting that you say that, and I hope that that I, – I want that to be true because last year was weird. I, I remember I went to Sox Fest, and I'm sitting in Kitty O'Shea's, and there's a couple other guys that are, you know, writers for the Sox or doing things that are around the Sox covering the team, and we knew on day one – that the Sox felt like they had Jack Peterson in the bag. 
to the point where they were they were talking about it. Somebody on the team was talking so much that two or three different people in that bar were like, yeah, yeah, I heard that too. Like it was like one of those things that was like moving through SoxFest like it was going to be announced. And then like within a week, it was like all you people gave it up and screwed up our deal. So right. I I mean, like I'm, I'm hoping that that was the anomaly and you're, you're making <laughs> me feel like that's an anomaly. Like they normally don't screw up that badly because somewhere along the line, they screwed up on that before I want to get into a guy that you mentioned, Mike Moustakis. Uh, he's becoming a guy that I'm hearing mentioned with the White Sox more and more over the last couple of weeks. Uh, CBS Sports did a thing where they were writing like which guys they think will end up on which teams. The White Sox are one of the guys with Moustakis. I, I've heard him be mentioned by a couple of local beat reporters. I always feel like those guys are around the team enough that they get a good feeling about guys that they're mentioning around them. He had a 3.2 wins above replacement, and most of that was offensive wins above replacement, not defensive when you break down his metrics. He's projected by baseball reference to go out this year and have like eh, about an 810 OPS, slug really well, hit 30 home runs, and he keeps getting attached to the team. What's, what's your feeling on a guy like that? Is he somebody that you would you would feel excitement seeing come to the White Sox and do you think that he's going to be one of those guys that is going to get a lot of other teams interested in him, or he's going to be somebody we can maybe kind of pick real quick and, and nobody was paying attention? Yeah, he's he's just such a tough answer there because of how the last two off seasons have gone where he's taken these cheaper deals. I mean, I, I think at this point, I, I would assume that Moustakis is looking for long-term security. So if a team if a team like the White Sox is willing to offer him you know, three years up front, Tomorrow, you know, maybe he considers that a little more than he did in the past, just kind of knowing that the last two years he's really been stung and, and not gotten the long term offer he's wanted. I think from an excitement standpoint, it, I would I would look at that and it would tell me, OK, the White Sox are trying to actively get better. And this is a good thing for that organization and the fan base. Um, but I, I don't view Sockets as an elite guy. And that doesn't mean that they shouldn't pursue him. I just think he's a good hitter and he's also a flawed hitter. He's not, he, he actually did have a pretty decent walk rate last year, but he's not usually a guy who walks a ton. And he's able to offset that a little bit by not being a, a free swinger. Um, he's, I think the last year he's had a strikeout rate above 20% was, was 2012. And obviously that has value because, you know, if you're putting the ball in play a little more, you have a chance to, post higher batting averages or higher BABIPs. In his case, that ne hasn't necessarily been the case the last couple seasons. So, yeah, I mean, I think you're betting on him as a guy who's going to, A, make contact, B, run into a fair amount of home runs. Um, from a fielding perspective, he's going to be, you know, average to, to below average probably, um, but still an upgrade for them. So, you know, it's, it's it's both good and bad, I guess, how I view it. I want to put you on the spot here and make you play GM for me for the White Sox for a moment. If I took Garrett Cole, Steven Strasburg, and Anthony Rendon off the table because I believe that the White Sox would just never be able to win a bidding war for those three guys, and I asked you if you were the Sox GM, you knew you couldn't get that, but you knowing what you know about these ball players that are out there, uh, which would be your number one hitter 
and which would be your number one pitcher that you would love to see the Sox go out and pursue? So I, I think, I mean, pitching wise, it would probably be Wheeler, right? Um, and I and I think you know there's a considerable risk there because if they can't unlock what has made him great at points in his career, um, he's going to be an awfully expensive, you know, number four who maybe occasionally can be a number three. So if you trust player development there, which has has been shaky. Uh, recently, I, even though you know Eloy Jimenez has kind of been their first big, uh, you know, offensive guy to, to really hit the last the offensive prospect to really hit in a while, um, you really I think you have to trust the, the their ability to to make Wheeler a better guy than he has been throughout his career. Um, hitting wise, I mean, I, I do kind of still think that that Martinez would be the best fit. Obviously, it's it's complicated by the whole trade thing and, and who you want to give up. But if the Red Sox are motivated, you know, maybe that's better than spending money at that spot, using that money um, and allocating it toward Wheeler or allocating it toward um, a guy like Nick Castellanos, who uh, I think like Musakis, I, I view as a, a good but flawed player, but I, I guess I see him as, maybe a more dependable outfielder than a guy like Marcelo Zuna, who I've just always been scared off by his shoulder issues the last couple of years. So I almost feel like those would maybe be like the two free agents I would look at. I'm sure I'm forgetting someone and um, some of the listeners are screaming at me, but um, <laughs> you know, I, I, I'd be, I'd be on board if they, if they went heavy after two of those guys uh, and, and really tried to pursue Martinez. All right. Well, I, before I get to my my final line of questioning with you, I got to ask you why why not Mad Bum? I mean, just a guy who's made it to the playoffs a few years and you don't have to work on him. You know, if I don't believe the White Sox ability to to develop a guy, and I just want them to have a guy that's going to come in and bring in that veteran presence, it just seems like so many people just don't believe the White Sox would pursue him. What's the flaw in him that that would give you pause in going after him? Sure, I, I think the flaw with him is workload. Um, he's been a guy who's pitched a ton early in his career to the point where I, I was shocked while talking to you um, that he's only 30 and that Wheeler's 29 because it seems like Baumgartner has just been around for like 14 years at this point. <laughs> um, but no, I mean, I think it, it's partially that, right? That the guy uh, has put a lot of innings on his arm. And I think we've seen the, the impact of that the last few seasons. We've seen some declining peripherals, a uh, little bit of loss of fastball velocity. The numbers definitely rebounded last season uh, as far as strikeout rate and walk rate. They were much better. Uh, he also started pitching backward a little more. So he's relying on uh, a lot more off-speed stuff. And I, that's been more common around the league. So it's not necessarily a reason for concern. But I think based on what we've seen in maybe 2017 and 2018, with him, it's it's more of like a necessity at this point, right? That that maybe his fastball isn't as effective as it used to be, isn't as effective as it used to be. And uh, you know, I think on a short term deal, sure. I mean, if if you could get him for for two years or something, um, why not? I, I think it's probably gonna gonna cost more. And and he's a guy I guess I would hesitate to depend on in the long term. All right. So before I let you go here, how long? I mean, White Sox fan, this is a crazy question. There's no way for you to know, but we just need comfort. We need somebody that's going to sit there and tell us it's going to be okay. 
How <laughs> long do you think before we start to see the hot stove actually get hot and that the Sox probably grab up somebody and add them onto their team? Like, are we waiting until 2020? You think something's going to happen here in in the last month and a half of the year? I have to think based on the last two years, we're waiting for 2020. I think it's just going to be a miserable, slow winter again. And things, things always get quiet around mid-December because obviously everyone's, you know, ready to celebrate the holidays and not focused as much on baseball. And so I think January will roll around and we'll see the market move a little more. So I wouldn't necessarily be discouraged if the the Sox don't make a signing this month or next month, um, just based on the state of free agency right now. So you're telling me if I want to spend my money, I sh- and I'm trying to figure out, do I want to go cover the winter meetings or if I want to go to spring training? You're like, go to spring training. Yeah, I I would be uh, I would be nervous about the winter meeting thing. I you know I was talking to one of my colleagues last week about that and. He, I think he was saying Andrew McCutcheon was really the only signing that we that made an impact that we covered last year at the winter meeting. So it just has not had the same uh, impact and appeal for teams and players as, as it has in the past. That's Chris Swick. He is one of the Baseball Writers Association of America writers. He also writes for Yahoo Sports. And uh, he writes about a lot of different things. I, I, I've been flipping through a lot of your articles since we've started to get to know each other, Chris. Uh, I've, I've enjoyed it when you join, even the wrestling thing. Like the, <laughs> the, when you get into the wrestling stuff, I'm like, I kind of, kind of, I want to hear more from Chris about wrestling. So, of course. And yeah, um, you know, I, I'll be glad to talk wrestling, though I haven't watched it since I was about 15. So if you want to <laughs> reminisce about uh, Stone Cold, The Rock, and the People's Elbow, I'm, I'm all for that one day. Yeah, I got myself I got myself caught watching Walking Tall with The Rock for about an hour today until I realized I was watching Walking Tall with The Rock for an hour and I said, "What am I doing?" Yeah, I get sucked in every once in a while. Thanks a lot, Chris. Yeah, thanks. Appreciate it. Anytime you need me. That's fun. We're going to do that every once in a while this offseason. And also, I just want to tell you, one of the other really neat things that we can do now is we can go live from Socks in the Basement. It only works if you have a Podbean app. Now, there's a lot of different podcast players, and I'm not going to tell you you have to jump from one to another one. I prefer to use Apple Podcasts. Every once in a while, I use Spotify. We're on those. We're on all the other ones, but we're also on Podbean. Our website is run through Podbean. And because of that, we have the ability to go live on Podbean. So if you want to add that extra app onto your phone and subscribe to Socks in the Basement there as well, from time to time, we may go with a live show, which means live callers that can actually call us right through the app. If you have the app, the app will notify you when our next live show is going to be. We're definitely going to give it a try here between now and opening day. So you got the off-season interview series, you got bonus live shows. And of course, you have the regular episodes coming out each and every Wednesday, and all of them are available on demand as long as you are subscribed for free. It's kind of a no-brainer. The next podcast that posts is going to have Steve Paradzinski, White Sox writer, and a guy who's been on a couple of different times, has been critical at various times of the club, but also seems to think things are going to happen this offseason. And he's going to have a really cool announcement for Sox in the Basement listeners. That's what's coming up on Socks in the Basement, found everywhere podcasts can be found and always at SocksInTheBasement.com. Socks in the Basement. Socks 
in the basement. Socks in the basement. Socks in the basement. Heard everywhere podcasts can be found. And always on SocksInTheBasement.com.